In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. The prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. It might not happen on the timeline that you're expecting, but if you are faithful in prayer for him, it will happen. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army. We salute you. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to another episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos, your host of today's show. Today, guys, we want to help you to understand the perspective of men, the state of men in our culture from a woman's perspective. Guys, you're going to love this episode. It's completely unique from any episode we've ever done. We have brought our digital marketing consultant onto our show. She interacts every day of the week with our social media platforms and watches them oversees them and so she's seen a lot and understands a lot about the state of men as she um watches me interact with guys from all around the world so we're going to bring her on we're going to get her perspective today man this is going to be a cool cool episode you're going to be excited but first i want to give you a man law now guys remember these man laws are provided by you when you send us a man law and we use yours we will uh, give you some swag all you got to do is hit us up at info at manarena.org with your physical address and we'll take care of you. So this one today, it's really funny that this one came in this week because I was at my granddaughter's softball game this week and there all these little kids are out there in their little, you know, uniforms. And one kid's wearing pajama bottoms for his uniform. And I'll be honest with you, he played like a kid who would be wearing pajama bottoms. But I thought, why would he be wearing pajama? Why would a parent allow that to happen? Uh, I'm sure there are many reasons why, but this man law has to do with pajama bottoms. It's from Jeff Van Dyke, who's a local hero in our area. And Jeff says, no self-respecting man ever leaves his house wearing pajamas. (laughs) That is so true. I know one guy I used to work with for years who showed up every day to work with like slip on tennis shoes and, and basically his sweatpants. I'm like, really, dude, come on. So, but guys, don't leave the house in your pajamas on. It's just wrong. You can now listen. I will say this: you can take out the trash in your pajamas. Uh, you can go check the mail in your pajamas, but get your butt back in the house and change before you go to work. Oh man, I hate when Dale wears pajamas to work. It's just a bummer. No, I'm just kidding, Dale. Hey guys, this week's hero story is a response from Twitter. 
uh, from a guy, just Woods on Twitter. And he says this. This is in response to one of my tweets asking guys what their frontiers are. And this goes back to one of our podcasts with Morgan. Sp- uh, this goes back to one of our podcasts with Morgan Snyder when he talks about being a generalist. You may remember that. And he talks about uh, tackling and conquering a frontier you have in your life. So this man wrote back and said this. I can fish, hunt, and cook. I'm a musician and love Jesus. One unconquered fear is being in really good shape. I've always been in fairly good shape, but never truly strong enough to be dangerous. That will change. This ministry has changed my life. God bless you. So, man, thank you so much. It's so cool. Guys, we don't want to hear about your life change stuff so that we can go, yeah, we're the guys. We want to celebrate you. You are the hero in your story. You are the one that God is going to use to change your world. And so, man, when God is using this ministry to help you in your journey, please let us know. It encourages us. And when you hit us up at infoatmenarena.org, we will send you some swag just to say thank you. Hey, guys, and thank you again for making Men in the Arena podcast Spotify's number one podcast for Christian men. You are the heroes in this story, guys. We appreciate you. We appreciate your responses. We appreciate your involvement. And, guys, we believe that when you get it, your entire world will begin to change. So thanks so much for making this podcast one of the top podcasts in the world for men. So I want to read a bio for our guest today. She's a very special gal. Uh, She is a gal who was involved in my youth group in the mid-90s. She was like my main student leader, incredibly gifted, incredibly talented. And to protect her identity, I'm not going to tell you her last name. So let me tell you her bio. Caitlin's a digital marketing consultant in California. She has degrees in marketing and web information technology. She is passionate about helping Christian ministries with their marketing. She's been doing that for the last 14 years. And like I said, I've known Caitlin for 27 years. I spoke at her wedding, been very involved in her life. And about a couple of years ago, uh, just through social media, we connected again. And when I realized uh, what she brought to the table, I hired her and she's been an unbelievable asset to our organization. She's a major influencer in the Men in the Arena's digital presence, including the website, social media platform, strategy, and advertising. It's a pleasure to bring on. We've only had, I think, two women on. She's the second one. So, Caitlin, thanks for coming on our show. Yay. Woohoo. I'm excited to be on this side of the microphone. I usually am listening. I'm usually listening and pulling apart every word you say. <laughs> yeah, because you uh, you actually pull quotes out of the podcast yeah. and use those to create videos and memes and all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm always listening. I'm like, oh, that's a quotable quote. That's a quotable quote. And I'm like backing up. I think my kids are tired of hearing your voice, Jim. In our oh, house. that's so funny. Well, it's funny because we, <laughs> we originally called you Caitlin the Obscure because... You know, you've chosen obscurity instead of building your digital marketing presence. Yeah. Uh, but we've started calling you La Makina, which means the machine, because you just are a machine. I'm like, it's unbelievable. And you you have a real understanding having uh, four children, three of which are boys. Two of those are twins. Having a husband for the last, you've been married almost 20 years? It's 22. 22 years. 22 years. And he's a public school teacher, Mm -hmm. uh, leads one of the biggest bands in the state of California, marching bands. So you've had a lot of engagement with a lot of different venues. And you really understand when, I mean, you're throwing memes out there and you're pulling quotes out and and you're, you know, you know, telling me what what reels you want me to produce. (laughs) I mean, you really understand, I believe, what men are thinking. You understand what women are thinking. And I brought you on the show, Caitlin, because um, you've seen 
you know, you are the overseer of our marketing. And so you see how I interact with these guys mm -hmm. and you see the problems that they have and you've seen the questions that they're bringing. You see what ticks them off and you see uh, what they're pushing back on and you see this with the women. And so I wanted to bring you on the show because I thought you had a lot of cool insight from a Christian woman's perspective who's engaged in uh, a men's ministry. Mm -hmm. And I, so I thought you could bring some cool insight to the table for the men and the women listening to this thing. And so before we do that, Caitlin, I want to just have you uh, tell the audience, tell these guys about who you are. Who Who's Caitlin? I'm not going to say your last name. <laughs> <laughs> who is Caitlin? <laughs> All right. Yeah. So I got my degree in marketing and web and information technology um, at a Christian university. And originally, I was kind of doing the corporate thing, um, but I found that I was not feeling like I was making a difference for the kingdom. And so, and it just seemed empty, you know, I would get to the end of the year and I'd look back on my year and I'd say, what have I done? Well, all those brochures got out, you know, uh, it wasn't, it, it was a career, but it wasn't vocation, you know what I mean? And so, and I just didn't feel like I was making a difference for the kingdom. And so, but, but then eventually I ended up coming home and quitting my job kind of on a step of leap of faith, kind of like what you did, Jim, with men in the arena. I felt led to quit my job without having anything to jump to. I, so I quit my job and tw 30 days later found out I was pregnant with twins. So I was like, oh, okay. So I did not quit to raise my twins. I quit and then discovered that it was because I was supposed to raise my kids. And I ended up, I've homeschooled and worked from home. I did search and optimization. I did all of these different things, um, but I was doing it for ministries. Uh, so, and I started finding that doing it for ministries changed it for me where um, I was able to be helping use my, my powers of evil, my marketing powers, you know, cause you can use marketing skills mm -hmm. for, Big time. Oh evil. yeah. Oh, we see it all the time. <laughs> yes, big time. Yeah, evil. for sure. But I was like, okay, I can, I can use these skills I've gained, but to help advance God's kingdom, um, and that changed it. And I have to say that you know, finding men in the arena has been really wonderful because I feel like that's even just taking it to the next level. I know you always talk about. You always talk about how I've helped take men in the arena to the next level, but I feel like men in the arena has helped take me and my vocation to the next level. I'm just passionate about it. I'm just so excited just seeing all of the impact because the ministries I had been working for before, while very good hearted, often didn't see a lot of success because of various reasons where they were not blatantly a ministry, not blatantly speaking the message of the gospel, you know, trying to be sneaky about it and all this different stuff where for whatever reason, they weren't seeing huge success. Um, and so it's just been really exciting to partner with you and actually be able to partner with a ministry that God, like basically partner with God where he's already working. I mean, that's kind of what I felt like when yeah. I, when I met you and I started seeing all the things God was doing. It's like God was kind of blessing you despite you guys like places that you guys didn't know what you were doing, he was blessing you anyway. He was just doing it. And then I yeah. was able to help take it to yeah. the next level, you know? So that's fun. 
Well, and and you've done that. I mean, I, I you know, Romans 1.16, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God for the salvation of all men, first the Jews and then the Gentiles. And I, quite frankly, I mean, I would never call a ministry out, but I'm appalled at these uh, subjective or subversive organizations that don't file faith status. They're they're trying to make money. But these guys are all, you know, I can't tell how many guys have had on the podcast. I'm like, well, I'm a Christian too. I'm like, well, you know what? Nobody in your world would know it. And you should be ashamed of that because we're, you know, my deal is we're going to step out in faith. And if God is truly the God who he says he is in the Bible, then he can bless us. And we don't have to hide. Mm -hmm. We don't have to be ashamed. Hebrews 10 39 says that we are not of those who shrink back and we're not going to shrink back. And so uh, it's been really cool to partner with you again after all these years. You are always one of my favorite uh, students in the youth group uh, when we struggled in those early days and to see what happened afterwards and. And I just really appreciate you. And and you have, through your giftedness, Caitlin, you know, you have reached hundreds of thousands, I believe. And, uh, you know, if you reach one guy, he's going to change five people. You reach, right now, we're reaching thousands and thousands of guys. And those guys are going to turn it. So so God is using you so mightily. It's, we're so proud of you and we appreciate you. And I laugh, I laugh because uh, early on, you're like, I love this ministry. I love this ministry. Like, oh, okay, why? You're like, you're the first, you, you guys actually do what I tell you. It's, I'm like, well, we are paying you because we are, we have no idea what to do. Uh-huh. So someday I'm going to write a book about marriage called Behind Every Good Man. And I'm going to cr- cross out behind. It's going to say, Beside Every Good Man is a Great Woman. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Men in the Arena is a great ministry driven by some powerful, we have powerful, and we believe in powerful, strong, empowered, dynamic women. We think that weak women, weak, sub, sub, subjective doormats we believe those hurt men yeah the west was not one with the cult the, the cult uh peacemaker mm-hmm. the west was won during the victorian era by women who refused mm-hmm. to open their legs for any man because they love jesus and that's how the west was really won in history mm-hmm. so anyway all that to say uh we appreciate you i gotta go back to about two months ago okay Two months ago, you sent me a text and you said, hey, you're, you've got a TikTok reel that's got 200,000 views. It's viral. And I was laughing because I was like, well, Kaylin, I don't have TikTok. And you said, well, you do now. And so, but you're producing content on TikTok. And our TikTok following in the last two months has grown to 10,000 people. Yeah. And so I think I'm close on that. Am I close on that? Um, 10, actually, we're at ten thousand ninety six hundred and forty. We're at, no, at ten thousand point one as of this morning. Oh wow, sweet, sweet. <laughs> anyway, so Caitlin, here's my question: Two thirds of our followers are women, yeah. so it's the only platform where we actually have women on mm-hmm. there. And we've posted a couple of videos to women and got a lot of pushback. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I've told you is, if it is biblically true, and we get pushback or persecuted, we ex- are excited about that. We should get persecuted for the for God's message because it will be rejected by 90% of people, yeah. even though it's true. But if we get persecuted and rejected for things I say that are stupid, not biblical, I need you to call me out. Mm-hmm. So, and you've done that well, and, and it's 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 been really cool to to watch that happen. But one of the, with a, a platform with two-thirds women, so six thousand of our people on there are women. What is something you've learned about women on TikTok? and what they struggle with regarding men? Well, I mean, first of all, I think it's really, it's been really interesting to see that grow because like you said, on all of our other platforms, we are 97% men. I mean, our women are almost nothing, you know? 
Um, but that, those are a lot of those platforms are ones where we have specifically targeted who we wanted to grow the audience yeah. to. But this TikTok is a hundred percent organic growth. It is just, I mean, like you said, I wasn't even really telling you it was going on. Your stuff was going on there because I didn't even really know how seriously to take it. Um, to be honest, yeah. you know, it's like, I knew about TikTok's numbers that it was more female dominated, but I mean, it's also massive. So there are men out there, you know, that are on TikTok. Yeah. But I kind of thought, figured, you know, I'm going to just throw these up here. And if it ever takes off, then I'm going to tell Jim, hey, you need to go over here and start interacting over here too. But I'm not going to worry about the mm -hmm. 30 views we're getting or whatever. But um, it's been really interesting because I think, I mean, and this is something I've been seeing everywhere. It's that women are really excited to hear men being called to spiritual leadership. You know, um, mm. so I'm not surprised on one level. I'm not surprised, you know, women know that there's a problem in the church, you know, that they, they are bemoaning the absence of men in the church, but they just don't know what needs to be done. And so every woman as an, as a, woman working for this organization, every woman that I have told about men in the arena is so excited. You know, like when I say it's, you know, calling men to step up into spiritual leadership, they go, oh, great, great. You know, they, they're so excited. Single women, like I send single, I sent my sister-in-law who's a single woman, your video talking about the men in the arena speech, and I just was saying, hey, will you give me feedback? Does this, you know, about XYZ production value? And then at the end of it, she said, I love this ministry. I am so excited about it, you know? So I think women women know and they like hearing the messages. Tell, I mean, your messages are, hey, love and out love and out serve your wife. Of course, what woman wouldn't love hearing that, you know? Yes, husband. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I do have to say, they don't like it when you talk about the pushback the moment the message turns to them so this is true of social media in yes. general everyone is looking to social media for something that they can send to someone out to their husband or send to their wife and say hey look this is about you you need to do this for me you know and so um the moment the tables were turned so it was really interesting because we've been growing really rapidly um but then you started getting some questions from women and putting up some TikToks to women saying, hey, you know, these are answers to some questions that I've been getting from women. And the women did not like that. But I'll tell you, you want to know who grew, what, what our following grew during the time you were putting messages to women? Men. You know, everyone wants to point the finger. <laughs> well, what's really interesting, too, is one of the women that just really went after me about I talked about sex. And uh, she was a single woman with a massive following, and she, and she thought my views on sex, which are biblical, out of First Corinthians chapter six and seven, uh, but she clearly was not a believer, even though her her Facebook profile said her profile said she was, but she wasn't interacting as a believer. It was really interesting, but she was really struggling with sex, and I think there was abuse in her life, and and I think for me to say, hey, the Bible says do not deprive one another, and that sex is a powerful tool that a woman has in her arsenal, mm -hmm. uh, to build her marriage or to hurt her marriage, man, some women just don't like that because again, it's pointing to them saying, ladies, this is what mm -hmm. you can do to make your marriage better. Yeah. 
Well, yeah. And I mean, for women, it's really interesting because for women, um, it's true that sex is our is one of our greatest powers. Right. But it's yeah. also our greatest vulnerability. Um, oh, that's a good point. The, you know, um, I think it was Dave Chappelle or, you know, some comedian told a story and he said, you know, he that when he was growing up, he um, there was one time where he was told by a drug dealer or something here, carry this 30 grand from here home and hide it or something. And he had it in his pants and he was walking home with 30 grand in cash in his home in his rough neighborhood. And he said, I was walking there going, anybody could, would hurt or kill me to get this 30 grand in my pants. Yeah. And he realized, wait a second, that's how women feel all the time. <laughs> we are that's carrying true. 30 grand that someone could hurt or kill us to get. It's a power, but with any power, someone wants to take it, right? Uh, power is a, cur a blessing and a curse, you know? And so we're, TikTok is full of tons of women who've been bullied into sex, yep. who've been abused, who've been raped, who have, like you said, given sex for love and the love didn't turn out to be there or the affection. Absolutely. People spiritualizing it to get it. It's like, so what ends up happening is there's this pendulum swing when you've been when you've been abused in some way to get this thing from you that you have this power that you have to give there's this pendulum swing from complete disempowerment of i have to do it no matter what to complete power and control of i only need to do it if i'm a hundred percent in the mood to do it and i'm yeah raring to go and so i think it and what ends up happening is it's like one, it keeps coming back to that idea of like personal rights and insisting on our own rights. It's true. I have the right to deprive my husband if I want. You know, I have the power. But do I insist on my right to do that? Well, the Bible says, no, don't insist on your right to do that. Don't deprive each other. You know, there has to be this balance of mutual submission and loving each other and all this stuff. But but so what we're ending up, it's so interesting because TikTok is a much less of a walled garden than like Instagram has been. It's been so interesting because we put the same reels on Instagram, we put them on TikTok and the some of them go viral on Instagram, some of them go viral on TikTok. So I put that, I put all the ones to the women on Instagram and they get almost zero pushback. On TikTok, if you get into the wrong ecosystem of people commenting on it and stuff yeah. then you get these people who are really mad right and so tiktok is just full of these of these women who have been abused and stuff and so it's really hard for any i guess really both genders it's hard to hear a message that says yes you have a right to it but no you should not insist on that right like you with loving and serving shanna yes she should be reciprocating in the same way but you're you need to give up that right and serve and maybe if you're lucky <laughs> there will be some reciprocity but that's not the point the point is loving and serving yeah. like Christ loved the church you know well and it's so, funny yeah. she got stuck on a tarmac last night for 16 hours and we're spending the memorial weekend uh, together and I had to pack for her. So I have the Facebook, we're on Facebook, uh, uh, FaceTime and she's still on, huh, huh. I go, are you going to at least let me pick out a thong? You know, I mean, that was my bonus. I got to pick out the thong, but, but she picked out all the other stuff. So, but I mean, that's what I'm saying. Out, But here's the problem. The problem with what you're saying 
is there's tremendous risk. And I want the guys, guys, I want you to hear us here. There's a tremendous risk when you give up the rights that you have in order to serve. You're hoping and praying that your wife will reciprocate. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if she does. You're called to die. You're called to be Christ to her. You're called to outlove and outserve her. You're called to give up your rights. And 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 I'm cu- I'm counseling a, a couple right now who's not married, living together, and they have a child, and they're really really struggling right now. And their biggest problem is they're not all in. And if you're not all in, you're not going to give up your rights. And until you give yeah. up your rights, your marriage won't change. So you get caught in this cycle of. Uh, this reciprocation expectation. And that's just not Mm -hmm. how a Christian marriage works. But that's why Christian marriages are collapsing because they're Mm -hmm. Christian, but they're not functioning as Christian. Well, and it's funny because on social media, I see it constantly. Every message you put, you'll put a message saying, this is a message for men. And the first response is, it goes both ways. All the time. I see that all the time. For women, it goes both ways. That phrase, it goes both ways. Like anytime you speak to one person saying, this is how you can love and bless your marriage. Those, that person says, yeah, but it goes both ways. There's reciprocity here, you know? And it's like, this is not a, this is not a payment. This is not a reciprocity system. This is a service, a sacrificial service system that, if, if your marriage is under God, eventually you'll get there. <laughs> so Caitlin, <laughs> it's funny. are trying. Well, so Caitlin, you know that we're a nonprofit faith-based organization and we rely 85% yeah. on our donors to support us. And the funny part is if I had a dollar for every time on social media, I read it goes both ways. We would have a fully funded yeah. ministry with money in the bank. And because people, yeah. Christians... <laughs> And I I wish Christian guys, I wish Christian guys would get this. In 1995, when I decided that I hated my wife, I wanted her to die, prayed that she would die, which is so demented. But then I had an experience. Actually, your dad was with me at Promise Keepers. He was with us on that trip where God called me to outlove. God called me to outlove and outserve my wife. When I decided to do that, I realized I'm either going to whether I can turn her heart around or my marriage around didn't matter. I had to do what God was calling me to do, and I had to take a risk. And I think until a guy is willing to do that, I don't think his marriage will ever be its best version. But it's the riskiest thing a guy will ever do. And it, honestly, yeah. and from your perspective, it's the riskiest thing a woman could ever do mm-hmm. is to is yeah. to fully so many- give herself. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And that's, I mean, that's the other side of it, you know, on these TikTok videos, on these different things, there are tons of women coming in and commenting. Yeah, I did that. And he cheated anyway. Yep. Yeah, I did that. And he, he took my service for 25 years and then he left me for a younger version. Yeah. My Mm. ex did this, you know, I mean, there are, there are, I mean, at this point, at this point, like it, with divorce so prevalent, there are almost more voices saying marriage is not worth it. Marriage yeah. is too much of a risk. That person's going to hurt you. It's not going to work out. You know, it's so prevalent. And it also means that people feel called out by any implication that they could have done something differently to save it yeah. or avoid it. They don't want to hear what they could do to save their marriage because 60% of them didn't do it. 
And so they want to hear why it's his fault because he didn't love and serve me. Why it's her fault because she didn't give me sex. Why, you know, everyone wants to be able to shoot any a little social media post off to show you why you're you're the problem, not me. You know. Well, but the, with the interesting thing about everything you're saying, which I fully agree with, is those people are getting married anyway. They're getting divorced and remarried and divorced and remarried. And they're they're mm-hmm. hoping it'll settle. You know, they're hoping they'll find somebody that will put up with their stuff or mm-hmm. I, or heal their wounds. Uh, but they mm-hmm. they continue, even though. the So my thought is, instead of divorcing three times and going through all that wreckage, do you know, like 80, I don't know what the number is now, but there's a book I read last year called The Millionaire Next Door. And 80% of millionaires are married to the same woman or same man for their entire life. So when you get divorced, that costs money. You lose money. Mm-hmm. And so these guys that are and gals that are turning over their, their marriages, uh, it's costing them. It's costing them so much. Well, and it's not just that. It's that when you are focused on what your part, how your partner is falling down on the job, mm-hmm. then the solution is find a better partner. Find a new oh, that, yep. Maybe the next yeah. one will do better. You know, yeah, she wouldn't do this, but I'll just, you know, I'm just going to try someone else. Oh, wow, that's weird. She, She's really messed up, too. She's broken, too. I'll try someone else. You know, and it's like if when the focus isn't transforming me and loving and serving and like you've said, you know, helping her through her brokenness, all of this sacrificial stuff that takes yeah. time and work and sucks and is messy when the focus is just trying to find the right person, the one, it's like, oh well, I guess I didn't find the one. There you know, is no one. Go, that whole keep yeah, looking, the, keep looking the, for the one. <laughs> the soulmate myth is a myth. It's not reality. And here, yeah. here's the other thing. I had a discussion with uh, a guy I'm pretty close to the other day, and he was talking about these. He was mad at five guys at work because these guys were doing this. And I go, hey, go, hey, bro, what's the common denominator with those five guys? You are. Hey, if you, if you can't stay married, what's the common denominator here? So maybe we should look in the mirror and not out the window. You know what I'm saying? And so yeah. this, I mean, but I think it all, I think that what you're seeing on social media is exactly what we're seeing in reality is that people are, and we know this, I'm this way. We're basically selfish mm-hmm. and we have to overcome yeah. that. C.S. Lewis once said, you know, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. So, so we talked, so we get a lot of pushback when we're actually calling people out of their selfishness. So Caitlin, Mm -hmm. when you watch people interact and you watch me interact with the people on these various platforms, whether it be TikTok or Instagram or Facebook, what message does it seem to you resonates the most? Like what, what is, what do people really need to hear that we're putting out there that's causing uh, such tremendous growth and blessing in the ministry? I think, I mean, the biggest one for me is the fact that you're saying to men is that our our society is getting it wrong with how we yes. are handling men. We're telling men, you're unnecessary. You know, you're not really needed. You know what? We uh, uh, There are all these single moms out here. I can be mom and dad. I can do this stuff. You, men, you're not really necessary. If anything, you're toxic. You know, you're yeah, toxic yeah. masculinity. If you are, if you're expecting different gender roles, you're misogynistic. You, if you are, you know, all this stuff, it's like, no, you don't have a role that I can't fill. 
you know, and it makes sense. Once again, when you have all these single moms out there, when you have all this divorce, women don't mm -hmm. like to hear um, there's something as a single mom that I cannot provide to my children. Yeah. Um, be, and this men who left me or whatever needed to be there to provide. We don't like to hear that as moms. Right. And especially with the whole control, uh, whole Adam and Eve, Eve taking Adam's place. We want to take Adam's place. We want to feel oh, like. Absolutely. So. So I think that that what this ministry is saying to men that is just so needed is men there's a role for you it's you are vital you are needed and there's a way to get there and you can do it you know it's not just that stupid because what ends up happening is we our society is telling men you aren't you don't matter uh get out of the way stop being toxic stop being misogynistic get in your corner and then we go to church and say where are all the men? Step up, step up, men. What are you talking about? Just step up. You know, there's this real double, you know, we're just, we're telling men that they don't matter on one hand and then immediately saying, why are you acting like you don't matter at church? You know, mm -hmm. why are you acting mm -hmm. like you don't matter in your, in your home when that's all that the messages are telling us? So I think this ministry is really serving that vital need of both building up men and saying no there is a role that only you can fulfill and no this woman is not going to be able to do it for you you're going to have to do it and that's work and that's hard but it's vital and like what you say it's so empowering because men want that like you say that want that hill to die on they want they that cause they want that purpose and the moment you say you do have a purpose men are like you're right i knew it i do have a purpose i can do that i can <laughs> you know so I think that that's so valid. And then so women love to hear that men are being called to step up, but men love to hear that they have a role and that they're valuable, you know, and that that someone that they're not replaceable. Well, you know, it's interesting. I think there's only one thing greater than when a man discovers his hill to die on. And that's probably when he actually gets to die on it. I mean, that's what we don't understand. Men want to die on a hill. And the greatest joy for a man is when he gets to die on that hill. So, Caitlin, so what do you wish? So you're a, you're a woman who's been married 22 years. You've got uh, three sons. Two are teenagers, one preteen. Yes. Mm-hmm. Two 14-year-olds and a 12-year-old. Okay. What is something that you wish Christian women understood about men? I think the thing that I wish the most that men, women would know about men is just that it's not our job to change our husband. Mm. It's God's job to do that. Um, when I, you know, uh, I spoke, I actually spoke to Shanna while she was, I actually spoke to Shanna while she was stuck on the tarmac. I don't know if you knew that. I no, called her no. and was talking to her. <laughs> yeah. So I was talking to her and one of the things we were talking about was that, there's a real similarity in both of our stories with her, with you, her and you and me and my husband in that both of us basically prayed for our husbands, but allowed God to be the one to change him. Um, for years, 
for years, I was trying to make it happen to make him into that spiritual leader. I was trying to like, you know, maneuver him into it, force him to church and try to do all this stuff and just kept backfiring. And I just couldn't figure it out. I mean, I think, and that's the problem. Most women know that men are supposed to be the spiritual leader, but a lot of them, many of them, that is not the case when they start out their marriage. And we just don't know how to get there. And so the answer that we come up with being controllers, a lot of us, or, you know, Mm -hmm. trying to like force the issue is I'm going to find manipulative ways to manipulate him into it, to try to get him to get there, you know? Um, And it took, it didn't happen for me in my marriage until I literally said to God, I'm giving him to you, Lord. I can't do this. I'm not going to live or die on this anymore. I'm not going to be spending my time trying to force him to do it. I'm going to give him to you. God, you do it. You know, you do it however you need to. You bring whatever you need to in his life. You do it. Um, And so that it was just becoming faithful in prayer and letting go of that control of him and trying to basically surrendering that area because I wanted it so desperately, right? Um, I wanted it so desperately for him to be the leader, but you can't like arm, you know, you can't twist someone's arm into leadership. So, and the thing is God came through, he did it. You know, he Mm -hmm. brought the influences into Sam's life that he told Sam the things that he needed to get rid of over time. He brought the right pastors. He brought the right programs. He brought all of this stuff and I didn't have, I didn't lift a finger. It was not about me at all. So, and it meant I couldn't take the credit, you know? <laughs> so well, you know, I think that's the biggest yeah. thing. Well, I, I think there's three ways you can, you can do it in any relationship. You can call a person out, you can call mm-hmm. a person up and you can call a person in. And so mm-hmm. you keep referencing this control thing. So that's mm-hmm. out of Genesis after the fall, uh, you know, God cursed Adam, God cursed Eve. And what he told Eve, he said, your desire will be for your man. Well, the, the Hebrew word there literally means your desire will be to control him. So that's mm-hmm. where that comes from. It's it's something that women will always battle. It's part of the curse. That's why in Ephesians 5, verse 33, Paul tells women to respect her husband, never tells her to love him, but tells him to respect, because he's playing off this control thing that women uh, wrestle with. So a woman is great at calling her husband out. The problem with that is it's incredibly disrespectful. Mm-hmm. The women I know who are outstanding at, and I, I, there are a couple women I'm thinking of right now. They've just, their men are totally different because of them. These women have learned the art of calling their husband up. You know, mm-hmm. I believe in you. You've got this. You're so good. You're, mm-hmm. you know, just telling him how awesome he is. We want to hear how awesome we are. You know, and mm-hmm. calling him up, calling him up, calling him up, and then calling him in, you know, getting situations that may be uncomfortable for him, but compelling him into those situations because you're going in there and you need his help, whatever it may be, but calling him in and calling him up. But we need to mm-hmm. do less calling out and more calling in and up. And I think that's, you know, when Shanna tells me I'm awesome, tells me she believes in me tells me this and that, man, I'll tell you what, I would, I would give her anything up to half my kingdom. You know what I mean? I would just do anything for her. And when women learn to speak to a man's heart, 
uh, it's it's mm-hmm. life changing and life giving. And so that's I really appreciate that. I really am curious about your phone call with my wife, though. That's uh, interesting. So we'll talk about that offline. Well, no, <laughs> no. I was just I was just curious because that was as I was thinking about this podcast, I was thinking. You know what? Behind a real life change in a man is a lot of Mm -hmm. times a praying wife, a praying woman, you know, and I just was curious, you know, and that was one thing that she said. I mean, I think she said that she didn't I think that she'd be okay with me sharing this. She said, you know, at that time, she said, you know, that she had little kids and she's like, even the smallest prayers that we make are Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. effective. You know, it's not like she was, you know, she didn't have the time. She was keeping her head above. And I was the same way. At this time, I was barely keeping my head above water. I mean, when you're, when you have little kids at home, I just remember feeling like, like I was teetering on the edge and the slightest wind would topple me over, you know, emotionally Mm. speaking. I just was like, the images are barely keeping my head above water and also just emotionally un like just ready to go just ready to fall off the edge any slight wind i just didn't feel have my normal stable self for years there for a few years there it was so hard and um and so it just was that's that was a great point she made is she's like even the smallest prayers they make a difference you know the prayer of a righteous person is powerful Mm. and effective you know, um, women, your prayer for your husband, you, you know, handing him over to him, over to God is a, is an act of submission to the Lord because we want to control it and trusting God to work and trusting God to, to do that. And then even doing it in the small, in a small way, small ways are powerful and effective and it works. You know, well, you know, it's really interesting too, is like, you know, thinking about my wife, my wife is the real deal. She doesn't sugarcoat anything. She's strong. She's fierce. Um, but she's incredibly faithful and, uh, she will never go out of her way to compliment me because she wants to compliment me. Like I, I need to compliment my husband today. She doesn't do that. But I remember when we first launched this ministry, I, we had a family we used to have, we have, when the kids were in the home, we had breakfast together five days a week as a family. And we're discussing this. And I said, here's what I feel like God has called me to do. And we let each of the boys respond. And my wife said something just very matter of factly, no emotion involved. She just said in front of the kids, I've trusted you for 20 years and you've never let me down. I'm going to keep trusting you. And man, I'll tell you what. That kept you warm at night. Like That kept she you warm for years. A, she be, on fire. <laughs> she became a hero to me. When women do that to their man and call them up, it's mm-hmm. just, it's like that little uh, video I posted about Barbara Bush. You know, they're going to uh, going across Texas. He's the president of the United States. George Sr. goes to the bathroom, comes out. She's in a lively conversation with uh, the gas station attendant. And George says, uh, President Bush says, well, who's that? She said, you know, it's the funniest thing. It's it's my high school sweetheart. We went to prom together. And President Bush starts laughing. He's got his colonnade, colonnade of vehicles behind him and, you know, secret service agent. He's got his big, fancy air-conditioned limo. And, and uh, he says, man, that's funny. She goes, what's so funny about it? He said, well, the most powerful, one of the most powerful women on the planet dated a gas station attendant. And she said, hold on, George. If I married him, he would have been the president. (laughs) And that's what we're (laughs) talking about. The art of understanding. If women Mm -hmm. could understand this art, they would see great change in their men. So, uh, Well, and I've seen that in mine going in. You know, I just, when you say that, I just think of like the, you know, my husband and I every night, 
most nights we'll just go in a few walks around the block. This is actually more of a pandemic thing that came out of the pandemic. You know, we wanted to yeah. get out and fr get fresh air and go somewhere. So we just would walk around. And that was a beautiful result of that is that we've started getting into this habit of just walking, you know, barefoot just around the block and just walking, walking, walking. And that's what I, I mean, so much of those walks is, you know, he would be telling me about work or he would be telling me about things and it would be me giving him idea or, you know, validating his ideas and just saying, yeah, you know, I just see this leadership in you and yeah, you're doing great. And man, you know, if only, well, you know, I, you know, you might not have that positional authority, but look at all these ways you're impacting people and look at all the things you're doing and just kind of that building him up and saying, yes, I see that in you. I see that in you, you know, um, not like lying to him, you know, that's another mm -hmm. thing, you know, on Insta on these social medias, all these women are like, oh, so just bluff his ego. I see how it is. And it's like, well, uh, no, S reflecting back to him like a mirror. I mean, that's what our spouse is. Our spouse is a mirror. The spouse is yep. our person that we see ourselves in, right? And who reflects back to us who we are. And that was, that, that was critical, you know, that, so, so that person is the person who says, this is what you look like to the outside world, you know, and mm -hmm, this is what I mm -hmm. see in you. And telling him the things that you actually do see, you know, um, which is actually interesting because that ties back to that story of when I was emotionally, you know, when I had little kids, I was home with them all day. And there was this period of time when, you know, when Sam would come home, there would be times when he would be saying uh, criticisms or sarcastic jokes or things and they would just blow me over, you know, in way out of proportion to what they were. And I started realizing I, I had to tell him, I had to say, you know what? You are the only person who's telling me who I am right now. Oh. And you you have so much power. I am at home alone with these little kids. You come home and tell me that I'm irresponsible because I didn't clean up these dishes or that I'm X, Y, Z. And I don't have everybody at work telling me that I'm a rock star to offset that. You are my world. You're right now. You are the one person who's saying, this is who you are. So I need you to reflect back the good things about me right now. And he was like, I am so sorry. Okay. Yeah. Like, I mean, he was, <laughs> that was a big well, thing. So like as a spouse. That's so powerful because when, when we had the boys in the home and you know, our target audience is that guy whose mm -hmm. wife is, well, they, she may be working, she may be at home. I don't know, but, but they've got kids and in our relationship, my wife uh, worked uh, these home-based businesses, right? So she could work and bring income, but mm -hmm. she was home with the kids and I would come home and she'd say, I've been talking toddler all day and I just yeah. need you. And, and mm -hmm. the other thing about that is she needs me to affirm her. Not to come mm -hmm. home and go, where's my food? Where's my whatever? I was always the cook yeah. in the family, so I'd actually come home and cook because I love to do that. It was uh, cathartic for me. So that took a load off her plate. But but helping our wives, because what I have learned, it's really interesting. Wives get frumpy when the kids are in the home. And they mm -hmm. don't get frumpy because they don't have time to exercise. And they don't get frumpy because they're eating bad. They get frumpy because they don't have their man taking care of them. Uh, it's the man's problem. The Bible says the glory of a man is his woman, his wife. 
And so okay. he needs to realize that when he's out working, doing his thing, getting all these accolades and awards and affirmations, that mm-hmm. she's getting no rewards from toddlers and little kids. And it's his job to serve her and to mm-hmm. to affirm her and to speak beauty into her and vibrancy into her and confidence into her. And, you know, it's funny. I was at a table with some guys last night because we had our uh, men's service here locally. And I'm looking at the two guys next. But I go, you know, your, your wives are good looking. Do you guys know that? They're like, yeah. And I go, my wife's good looking too. And they're like, I know. And I go, well done, guys. We crushed it. You know what I mean? Because we're sitting there. I go, because we know a lot of dudes, their wives are frumpy and haggard and beat up and worn out. And that's that's on the guy. And you know what? I look at you. I go, okay, good job, Sam. You know, vibrant, alive, you know, living the life. And these are important mm-hmm. things, right? That a man mm-hmm. has to realize that. And so here's one for you, Caitlin. You're watching thousands of people on a weekly basis, thousands upon thousands of people interact with Mm -hmm. me through social media. You're seeing where they push. You're seeing where they affirm from your perspective as a woman, where do men need the most growth? Where are they weak? Where do they need help? Like what, what, if you were to target me down and go this Jim, this is guys really need this. They're the weakest right here. What is it? Well, okay. I have a practical thing and then a more bigger and a bigger picture thing. Practically speaking, from what I'm seeing, um, men need to get free from porn, you know? Um, Uh, And uh, I mean, 80% of guys in the church use it at this point in some form. So basically at this point, if you are a Christian man and you're not blatantly telling me I am in recovery from pornography or these are the steps I'm taking to stay pure. I assume you're using porn, porn at this point. I mean, without, without wanting, without wanting Mm -hmm. help. Yeah. 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 I mean, unless you, unless you can tell me the steps you've gone through, like you are talking about covenant eyes all the time, you, you know, you and Dale, like, so I know that you guys don't, but I basically make that assumption at this point. And the reason I'm seeing that, I mean, I can tell you from a social media perspective, every post I put up, um, if I'm putting, if I'm posting it, if I put up a post that has uh, related uh, links to our resources on porn, those are the resources that get to the most clicks. Our website, mm. it that one page, our resources on porn with the podcasts about porn, they are slant. That's the one page that has the most visits. Um, oh, I didn't know every that. podcast we do about porn in some form and trying to get uh, help with porn. Is our, our, they're all our highest listened podcasts. I mean, men want help. They need help. And so that's the thing. And I mean, I think when we talk about, oh, men don't want to take their family to church, I'll tell you, I would guess it's because on some deep level, men, people know if I end up going to church, God's going to convict me about this porn. Um, and so wow. they, people want to hide. So, um, so anyway, so I, and, and for that, I would just say, you know, I can't recommend Celebrate Recovery enough uh, mm-hmm. to the men. I know there are a lot of different programs, but, but I would tell you that the porn would get you in the door, but you'll find out what it was a symptom of, um, what's covering up and what you're trying to cover up. So um, anyway, and so, so that's the tangible thing, just from seeing social media and seeing it it's clear that it's an issue that everyone uses and the percentages support that. 
know. Okay, I want to add one thing because I agree. I would say ninety percent, and I and so you know we have covenant eyes on all our devices. That does not mean we don't struggle with uh, Netflix with whatever. So I would say Mm -hmm. lust is a constant battle. Uh, Here's what Mm -hmm. I want to say this though to women who are listening. Mm -hmm. You need to. I mean, you need to ask your men about this. Don't Mm -hmm. don't assume he's good. He's probably not yeah. good and he's probably yeah. hiding it from you. And so mm-hmm. because of shame and guilt and whatever. So I would say this, every man should protect every one of his devices, but I think every device in the home needs to be protected because he'll yeah. go use that device as well. So I think that's really mm-hmm. critical. And women just assume your husband's struggling with lust. I mean, yes, porn is a it. symptom assume of it. it's lust. Lust is the sin. Mm-hmm. Porn is the symptom. So assume yeah. he's going to be struggling with this and has nothing to do with your beauty. Assume no. it and, and, and give mm-hmm. him a place to talk to, give him a person to talk to so mm-hmm. he can find healing in that area. And I'll be honest with you, Caitlin, it's close to 40% of women are struggling with porn too now. Of so, women too. Yeah. yeah. And, so and, find, and really also I would almost say to find that accountability partner or that person that you're talking to about it. But um, I would encourage it not to be your spouse um, because yeah, I, 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 I find it's with any kind of thing, like like with this issue of control, right? Um, any kind of – your, your, your wife is going to be tempted to want to control it, to get over enmeshed in whether you're, whether you're, you're good or not or things if you fall – like obviously covenant eyes might be a little different, but it sounds like you guys have your report go to someone else anyway. You know, oh, mine it'd goes be to better Shanna. for her. And oh, Dale. yours goes to Shanna. But oh, but are I, you kidding me? Heck yes. <laughs> I thought it went to Dale. I thought it went to it Dale. It goes to oh. Dale. It goes to Dale and Shanna. I'm more afraid okay. of Shanna. <laughs> more afraid. Yeah. You'll tell yeah. Dale. Um, anyway, but the point is that it it's because I, I mean, I'll just say it for myself because I struggle with wanting to control my husband. Um, it's better for me to, for him to, if he's dealing with any kind of like a, you know, sin issue or that kind of thing to get that accountability from someone else so that I'm not over investing my emotions in it and saying, you know, this means something about me and about us and all this stuff, you know, it's better for it, you know, for any kind of sin issue for that. I mean, that's just my personal opinion is to get that mm-hmm. accountability from someone, the partner from somebody else. Um, so that that way she can confidently give you a way to God and give oh, and say, God, good. you're working on it with him. You're working on it with him. So I'm not, and it's not about me and it's not about us. That's the other thing too, is it's not about me. It's not about us. It's not about, I mean, it's a, I mean, almost most sins, most sins are about between him and God or the person and God. They're not about the other party, you know, so. So you said anyway. that's the practical thing was. Pornography. Oh, yeah, that's What's the, the practical one? one. The I mean, the, this might be going into a, like a different question. But when I think about where I see men struggling the most based on just the social media and just what I've seen is it seems like just specifically with the men in the arena tribe, right? So men in the arena tribe is already, I would say one percenters, right? They're already yeah. guys who have, who are willing to hear you calling them up into to yes. spiritual yes. leadership. And without that being such a huge turnoff, they want that. They want to be that. 
the thing that I'm seeing Christian men st struggle with just from watching everything is knowing if what they're doing is enough. Oh. Um, being a spiritual leader is a really nebulous goal. So it's one that men just don't know if they can achieve, right? And I noticed it most with the push-up challenge. You know, when you put out that thing for the push-up challenge, you said, oh, you know, this is this really tangible goal that I have. Anyone want to do it? And you were expecting eight guys to take you up on it. You had yeah. 300. We and were 85 guys, 385, 385 guys. We, it was like a tsunami of men saying, yeah. yes, I'm going to do this thing with you. And it was such a shocker, you know, that, that so many did it. But then as you think about it, you know, men are results oriented, you know, that's a box you can confidently check off. Either you know you did it or you didn't. Either you did 65,000 pushups in a year and you can feel accomplished or you didn't and you go shucks, you know, mm -hmm, but, and, mm -hmm. but if you do it, you get that respect, you get, you know, Jim knows you did it. It's a, we're in a tribe and other men can say, yes, you did it. With spiritual leadership is doing a Bible study with them enough is taking them to church enough is doing this enough you know it's like there it's so hard to know whether you're doing enough and i feel like that's the big need that it's hard to know how to fill you know so it's interesting because i just preached a sermon on this last night and so i think what oh. i'm going to do is do an equipping episode where i'm going to do that sermon on an equipping episode for the guys so they can it's really the bible gives you three very specific things that a guy can do to be a spiritual leader. And the funny part, Caitlin, is two of them aren't spiritual. They're not spiritual uh, at all. There's nothing to do with spirituality in them, but they're things a man does for a as a leader of his home. It's really beautiful. And so um, I'll, I'll, we'll do that for an equipping episode. We'll get that out to the guys in the next couple of weeks. But you're absolutely right. So here's what I tell guys about spiritual leadership. This is very simple. Do something. Just do something yeah. because the pastors will stand up in the pulpit and and I don't want to say they're liars, but they will lie to uh, mm -hmm. embellish their sermons and they're paid to be spiritual leaders. So you, you can't really go off of that. You got to go off of, you know, what you're the next thing for you as a man. And the wife has to call that out of him and call that mm -hmm. call that up in him. So I've got one last question, Caitlin, because we're out of time. It's been really fun to hang out with you. I don't hang out with women at all, and you live about a thousand miles away. So our hanging out is a phone call about <laughs> digital marketing. So it's just fun to have you on the show and share some things. But Caitlin, I'm going to give you a scenario. I'm going to I'm going to give you this scenario. You are allowed to give women one piece of advice about their men, and you know with 100% certainty they're going to follow it. So whatever you say, they're going to do it to the letter, guaranteed 100%. What would that be? I would say be faithful in praying for him and asking God to do the work mm -hmm. on him. Don't mm -hmm. try to force the changes yourself. Be faithful in prayer and handing him over to God and asking God to claim him and call him up. Um, and the other thing would be, I mean, kind of as a corollary to that, if you see your husband in sin, don't be dragged down into it with him, but mm. also don't be the one to expect to change, to expect to be the one that changes him. Um, oh, that's good. You know, and, and, and I want to just give these women this, or men to this prayer 
you know, from Second Corinthians twelve nine, right? God's it says God God's power is made perfect in weakness. So this is my favorite yes. prayer, and it is God, your word says that your power is made perfect in weakness. I am weak in blank. So congratulations, you have an opportunity to work. So you make it happen. Um, you get to say it with lots of sarcasm and annoyance at God <laughs> that you can't do it. <laughs> He's okay with that. So and so it's like, Lord, God, you made you, your powers made perfect in weakness. Um, I am weak in the area of, of of spiritual leadership. Congratulations, or I am weak in this in the area of I'm weak in being able to change my husband. So congratulations, you are, you're strong. And your power is made perfect in weakness. So here's an opportunity for you to work. You make it happen. Um, and then just remember that verse. The prayers of a righteous person, person are powerful and effective. It might not happen on the timeline that you're expecting. But if you are faithful in prayer for him, it will happen. So that's really powerful, Caitlin. You know, it's really interesting. When we launched Men in the Arena, I did not know what to pray. I just knew that what God had called me to was impossible. And I heard somebody talking about Bill Bright, the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, and how he just prayed the character and nature of God. And my prayer was very similar to 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 and 10. I basically prayed, God, you own the cattle on a thousand hills. You own the earth and everything in it, Psalm 24. You hang the stars and call them by name. If you really are the God, that you say you are in the Bible, you can miraculously do this thing. And I just mm -hmm. walked away from it. And you mm -hmm. say, God, in, in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, you tell me to cast all my burdens on you because you care for me. And you say that your burden is easy and your yoke is light. And if that is true, then God, I'm going to hold you to it. I'm going to hold you to the promises in your word. I have seen in response to that prayer, I have seen miracle after miracle after miracle, you know, I've down to the down to the silliest things like we don't have the money for a van, but I we've done days Dave Ramsey's, you know, financial piece and we won't take out a loan. And so I literally played that prayer. Lord, I am weak in money for a van. But you're strong and your powers made perfect in weakness. Congratulations, you have an opportunity to work. And you know what? That money miraculously came for a van. We do not have a loan on our van. I mean, it's like over and over small things like vans and tangible, stupid stuff and huge ministries and life change. When we hand it over to him like that, it just, he does it. Yeah. And guys, you may be sitting here right now going, my marriage is at the end of its rope. Well, guys, listen, tie a, tie a knot, hang on, pray 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. Trust God for an 11th hour miracle. Caitlin, thanks so much for coming on our show. Guys, your boots on the ground for this podcast is start praying 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10 for your marriage, your life, or anything else where you feel like you need a miracle. Make sure, guys, you head on over to menandarena.org. Grab a free copy of my book, Tell Them What Great Fathers Tell Their Sons and Daughters. By the way, Caitlin put that book together, so you can thank her for the uh, beautiful graphics. Guys, while you're there, make sure you sign up to join one of our many virtual teams that happen around the country by clicking the Join Our Program button. Until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. 
Get dirty. Grind it out. And be a man. You've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. If you hunger to be your best version, then join thousands of men from around the world in our Men in the Arena forum on Facebook. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of biblical manhood. Make sure to explore our website at meninthearena.org, sign up for the weekly equipping blast, and take advantage of our many free resources designed to help you become your best version of a man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, Everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.